we really needed to be reminded, I think collectively, to give grace. This is the first time in our lives where everyone was affected. Welcome to the Good and Grounded podcast, a project that those of you who are listening know it was born out of the pandemic and a need to sort of speak to leaders in our community and shine light on the biggest needs here in our Colorado communities uh, as a result of the pandemic. I'm Jim Licko, co-founder of Center Table, and I'm joined by one of the co-founders of Center Table and the founder of Ground Floor Media, Laura Love. Thanks, Jim. So our next guest has been named one of the top 25 most powerful women in Colorado has been a speaker at TEDx Mile High and is the author of an award-winning book, The Third Law, and I think is working on a second book. She may already be finished because she's that amazing. She is a community leader, a wife, a mom to two lovely and busy, busy teenagers, and has led the nonprofit social enterprise, The Women's Bean Project, for the past 18 plus years. Thank you for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks. Tamara, um, can you share with the listeners the, the mission of the Women's Bean Project um, to just get us started there? Well, I want to start by saying that Women's Bean Project believes that all women have the power to transform their lives through employment. So we have this great food manufacturing business and we hire women experiencing chronic unemployment and we teach them to work by making our products. And then at the end of seven months, they transition out into the community to mainstream jobs where they have, um, they can advance and they can get benefits and really where it's a job different than any one they've had in the past. And so we're using our social enterprise to, um, to help women change their lives. And, and just a quick follow up on that, getting into the nitty gritty of it. What does a day in the life of these women look like when they're working with you? We hire them for a full-time job, 36 hours a week. They come at 838 and leave at 430 and they, um, spend about 70% of their paid time working in the business in some way, which is typically on the production floor, making the products that we sell all across the country. Then 30% of their paid time is in program activities. And those program activities are focused on building life skills, things like problem solving and goal setting and planning and organizing and budgeting. Uh, and all of those skills are taught during the their workday, so they're paid during that time. and. I think they really contribute to not them becoming just a better employee, but a better mom and a better community member. And really, we think that's the whole package of what makes this work. You um, mentioned, Tamara, at the beginning that you hire women who are chronically unemployed and your TEDx Mile High talk was on the topic of redefining unemployable. So will you explain what that means to you? Sure, how we define chronically unemployed is that a woman we hire typically has not had a job longer than a year in her lifetime. And the average age of the women we hire is 38. So when you think about that, um, long histories of unemployment, perhaps incarceration, 80 to 90% of the women we hire have felony backgrounds and have uh, spent some time in the justice system. And really, they lack the skills, and some, in some instances, the communication skills, sometimes the problem-solving skills, to have the wherewithal to keep a job. And I think what contributes to that also, though, is not feeling worthy. And I think that really um, is one of the most important things that comes into play. And that when a woman graduates our program and moves on to a job in the community, one of the most significant things that happens is she believes she's worthy of a better life. And, you know, I don't know exactly how you measure that, but you sure know it when you see it. That's so true. 
How many women through the years has Women Bean Project graduated? Well, early on, they didn't keep a lot of records electronically or things like that. We were founded in 1989. So mm -hmm. for our 30th anniversary, we attempted to count. And we it's about, at this point, about 1,500 women have graduated the program and gone on to the community. One of the best things about being you know, 32 years old is the opportunity to meet women who maybe graduated 10, 15, 20 years ago. You know, how cool is that, that, you know, her life was totally changed. And I think about this a lot when a woman graduates and she has kids uh, and if they're young, they may never know a time when their mom didn't work. And that, you know, that's pretty tremendous. And I think about it as we should come to work every day uh, as staff at the Bean Project trying to make sure that the services we provide are so effective and far-reaching that every woman who comes to us is the last in her family to need us. That's amazing. And, and I'm sure this is going to be a hard question to just pick a couple, couple examples, but uh, you know, of those 1,500 women, are there some, are there some stories that stick out uh, to you as sort of your favorite success stories? Um, or, or, or even just anecdotally, you know, what, what do you hear from these women when they come out of the program and, and, and move into their new roles as being gainfully employed? One of the best parts of my job is that I actually get to meet the women and I get to see them on their first day, which I will do actually later today. I'll meet the group who started today. And I get to see them on that first day when maybe they seem anxious or uncertain, or maybe even come across as angry or resentful. And then over a pretty short amount of time, you know, seven months isn't that long in the grand scheme of things, they literally blossom into these amazing women. I think that's so great. Um, so my one of my favorite stories is a, about a young woman named Selena who was just 21 when she started, and that's our minimum age to hire. And she um, was, when she was 12, her mom introduced her to cocaine. And at 13, her mom kicked her out of the house because she perceived that Selena was competition for boyfriends. And so at 13, she was on the streets, hanging out with, with people who obviously didn't have her best interests in mind. And she was using and she was part, you know, committing crimes to get drugs. There were a whole lot of bad experiences that happened. And that happened until she was 18. And at 18, she was arrested. And that was probably the best thing that could have happened to her because that gave her an opportunity to have supervision and for somebody to help her break out of that cycle. So from 18 to 21, she was in the criminal justice system. And then at 21, her pastor recommended her to the BEAM Project. So she came to the organization really needing a lot of guidance. She had a third grade reading level and needed to address that. But she graduated the program. She was the most determined person I've ever met and went on to um, her first job after leaving was uh, as a cashier at Safeway. And her boss taught her how to count change. And uh, she enrolled in an adult high school and she uh, eventually got her GED. And then she met a guy and married him and they moved to North Dakota where they live now and they own a home. And she hold down, holds down two jobs and has a seven or eight year old daughter now. But the cool thing is one of her jobs is to go into the local prison and do uh, pastoral counseling with the women who are in that local prison. It's such a great full circle story. I mean, to to get her back on a, on a good, great track, great life track, and then have her helping other women who have similar needs as she had, you know, previously, it's just amazing.
So you and I, God, I can't even remember when it was, maybe April of when all this craziness started with the pandemic and we r- ran into each other. And my recollection of that conversation is that Women's Bean Project was having almost the opposite um, effect from COVID-19 and the pandemic and that your business was skyrocketing. But share a little bit with us about what happened the last 18 months for the organization. Well, we learned that a pandemic is a good time to be in the dried bean business. Uh, People were stocking up on pantry items. People were staying home more so they could make a bean soup, you know, during the day. Uh, Then people were baking. And if you're not a baker and you want to look really good, getting a mix from Women's Bean Project and just adding (laughs) your uh, butter and eggs is a great way to seem like you're actually a baker. So our sales really did grow significantly last year. And yet we were also, you know, like everyone uh, as individuals and collectively being affected by what was happening around us. So we were considered an essential business and we, so we stayed open and we allowed, that allowed all the program participants, all the women to be able to continue working. We hired back a couple of graduates who had been furloughed while during their furlough time. And so we kept operating and producing our product. Everyone related to the program with the women and the, uh, w- and the work were on site. And then our administrative staff, we had work remotely. And that alone, you know, created a ton of challenges. And, you know, uh, I think maybe the hardest part was at the very beginning, our founder um, passed away th- due to complications of COVID, Jossie Ayer who founded Women's Bean Project in 1989, was 89 at the time and, and passed away. And, and I think that was very sobering also. Mm-hmm. So I think about the things we learn as leaders during the hard times, right? We certainly learn things during the easy times, but if you could share just maybe top two or three leadership lessons that were new to you based on this pandemic, what would those be? One thing that really struck me was it is not my style to um, to tell people what to do. I, I like to sit down and we all sit, we all agree on where we're going and then everybody goes off and, and we consult with one another and, um, and work toward a common goal. And yet when we were in the midst of all the uncertainty and things were changing daily, what I realized is people in some instances just wanted to be told what to do. And so I had to figure it out. And I think that was one of the most stressful things is to, be a leader and be sort of dictating, you know, what we were going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. And um, again, that's just not my style. So that was one of the biggest lessons. Another thing that really struck me is that we really needed to be reminded, I think collectively, to give grace. And I understood that certainly for others and reminded people a lot, but also for myself of just, you know, this is the first time in our lives where everyone was affected. And then the last thing I'll say is that I watched a, a podcast pretty early on and there was a fundraising consultant who said something that really stuck with me, which was that um, whatever problems we have right now, we had before. It just took the challenge of the pandemic for them, maybe them to come to light. And so that really stuck with me of just, you know, everything that occurred that was challenging existed before. It just maybe could get covered up, you know, by icing on the cake or something like that. Because, you know, when times were good, it was easy for that to happen. 
Yeah, I think those are great. Just being, just name the elephant in the room, right? We're all going to be experiencing micro moments of uncomfortable situations as we return to normal or what we thought was normal. Okay, so uh, lightning round. This is something we started doing just to get to know our guests a little bit better, uh, and just some fun personal questions. And I'll I'll start with the with what I hope is a simple one. Um, when you weren't making bean soup during the pandemic and supporting the the organization, um, what was your favorite go to place for for takeout during the pandemic? Well, we would do uh, the taco bar from Uno Mas. And uh, it was always way more food than we needed it for a family of four, but uh, it was uh, it was reliable, and we tried all different kinds of tacos, so we did that a bunch. I can tell you our thing that that, that we started doing that will probably carry on, and I don't know if it's healthy or not, is ordering too much because then that's leftovers for lunch the next day. So that's like that's my pandemic learning, anyways. Uh, yeah, order the third meal so that you can have something left over for work the next day. <laughs> all right, I'll ask you the question, but I will go first just because it's just that bad. So what is the most embarrassing fashion trend that you used to rock? Mine was a flock of seagulls haircut. And it was really bad because it was also when I had braces. So let's just put them all together. Oh, gosh. Uh, I have this picture of middle school and I was wearing these bell-bottom plaid pants I had a belt, so I was pulled together, but uh, that was maybe not my best look. I feel like that's come full circle, and that's like actually that's actually in fashion again. <laughs> my daughter is probably wearing it now. Um, you're you're so well connected in the community, Tamara. Are there any nonprofits that you've stumbled upon, discovered, or that maybe people are unaware of uh, that you've that you've discovered in Colorado that you would like to mention? Oh gosh, well. Uh, I don't know that this is an organization that's not well known, but Florence Crittenden is one that I um, really respect. Um, and, and some of that is I, I really want to support organizations who serve women who ultimately, if not for those services, will end up at Women's Bean Project or needing Women's Bean Project. So I would say um, Florence Crittenden comes to mind because of the services they provide to teen moms. There's also a newer organization called Second Chance Center, and they're doing a lot of work uh, with people as they're being released from, from prison. One of the things that we've been working toward is, um, is a relationship with the Department of Corrections to hire women on work release a couple of months before they're released from prison and help them on-ramp back into the community. And Second Chance Center really focuses on that work of just helping with the services that are needed and the support that's needed as people are being released so they don't recidivate. And we have historically not had a focus on that. We've just, you know, our system has released people and just sort of said, you know, figure it out. And there's a lot to figure out. And so we need more services like Second Chance Center to do that work. That's great. I We have been big supporters of Flowcret as well, but Second Chance Center I had not heard of. So thank you for sharing that. Tamara, what can we be doing to help continue to empower women more? What what's the, what, what is your call to action for our community, either related to the Women's Bean Project or just in general, about uh, what we can all do to help each other and lift each other up? Well, you know, one of my bigger picture goals is to really begin to change the hearts and minds of employers to hire based on talent and potential rather than background. And we are at a point in our country where a third of all adults 
have a criminal, some sort of criminal background, something in their background. And if that becomes our criteria for ignoring people, we're missing out on a third of all adults. And, and so I, my call to action would be to um, open your hearts and minds to the idea of hiring someone who has a background. And in, in many cases, a background that would be different than yours. Uh, and so it, it really is as simple as that, is that there is lots and lots of talent that is being entirely ignored because of, of backgrounds. And, and I think we can't afford as a society and certainly cannot afford as employers to continue to ignore that. Love that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know you have a million things going on, but we appreciate you giving us your time and for the listeners to hear more about the amazing things you and your team are doing. So thank you. Thank you. It's been great to see you guys. So one cool thing is I'm thinking about, you know, I'm on social media all the time for work, but that also allows me to keep up with friends and family and things like that. And I just keep seeing all of these great vacations, road trips, people visiting national parks. And I know there's some issues that come along with that, but I think it's just so cool to see people getting out there, the economy reopening, people spending money in their local economies and, and, and getting out to restaurants and sightseeing and things like that. It's just, it feels refreshing to see people, you know, living their lives and getting out and doing their normal things in the, in the summer months. So if you have one cool thing to share with us, if you want to share a leader in our community that, that we should be talking to, please let us know, drop us a line. You can find us on goodandgrounded.com. Uh, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Let's get out there and do some good in our Colorado communities. Thank you.